This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, hope everybody's enjoying their Victory Monday. Uh, for many of people out there, a short work week. Some of us here in the football industry, eh, that never really happens, but whatever. We love what we do, um, so we're okay with that. Um, as you know, the drill here, we'll sit down. You've got your post-game show. I see a bunch of you listen to it, and I appreciate that. We sit down with John. We go through some PFF grades, gets John's, you know, John's thought and analysis on some things. It's going to be fun tonight. We're actually going to have some different names to kind of talk about here. Uh, so we'll get all on that with from PFF, John Costco, your local experts on the biggest stories, all things Cleveland Brown-wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, I want to start on the defensive side of the ball, John. And the, part of the reason why I want to do it is, you know, it's Steve Wilkes has just done an incredible job to this point. I mean, you talk about games where you had your entire secondary out. You talk about going into a game and look, yes, guys, I get it was the Dolphins yesterday, but you got to play what's in front of you. So you're missing three, four, you know, three quarters of your defensive line. So I think he's done a real good job. And I said this to Pete where it's like, all right, who do I actually have this week? Okay, this is who we got. All right, fellas, let's go cut the tape. Let's see what we got. Let's, you know, take who we got, keep them in positive situations, do the things we can do. But it'd be remiss, John, if we didn't start here. Um, very similar to that that one day in Baltimore. And I guess I'll just start saying Jermaine, because anytime you say anything other than that, they start coming looking for you. Chad Thomas. The anomaly, John, the anomaly, the curve, whatever you want to call it. There was the one. Hiram Boyd, go ahead, take your bow. There it was. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, when, when you talk about individual performances in games, um, you know, there, there's obviously for a defender, you have th- basically three aspects of how you can, can grade, and that's in a run defense, that's in pass rushing, and that's in coverage. Um, as a pass rusher, he brushed the passer 28 times. He did get uh, four pressures, one hit, three hurries. Uh, so a pr- decently productive day, but they were. Uh, it's not like he was whipping the you know the offensive line doing so. It was it was late, uh, a couple cleanups in there. So it wasn't as if uh, um, he was dominant as a, as a pass rusher. Run defense, he was you know so his grade there was a sixty two point four. Run defense sixty six point five. But then what boosts his grade to an overall of eighty nine point nine? is his his work in coverage where he was only in coverage on on eight snaps and so how does that happen well you you make a couple of tackles for short gains because you're in a zone that they throw to and you you close on that quickly and you just don't miss the tackle and you you tackle them for a short gain that's a positive play and then if you get lucky and punch a ball out while he's going down to the ground that's going to boost your grade up too because you forced a fumble now i don't actually think that the the NFL actually gave a fumble for the play, but in our eyes, because he was clearly not down and the ball was punched out, we're giving him that him that credit for punching that ball out. Um, because in you know most cases, if that gets you know if that gets reviewed or if the referees are competent or whatever, you know they're going to call that a fumble, and um, the NFL actually might retroactively call that a fumble. But um, yeah, so that I mean that one play boosts it all the way up to a ninety point six of coverage grade and that will that will give you that good grade for the game now similar to uh when jermaine whitehead against the baltimore ravens had a monster grade because off of basically three plays um similar situation chad thomas has yet to show uh any type of consistency you know 
as what you're as an edge defender, what you're asked to do is rush the passer. And he's yet to show any type of consistency doing so. His season grade in that aspect is a 53.1. Coverage grades, the reason why that will boost it so quickly, so high, is because it's actually pretty difficult to, you know, usually if you don't get targeted throughout the whole game, it's difficult to actually get your grade up. So uh, every, you know, but if you do make a play, it kind kind of magnifies it, especially on such few coverage snaps. And that, and there, there you go. It's essentially how it happens. And, um, but what he's been asked to do, you know, as an edge rusher is not good as his, his grade of a 53.1 has shown so far this year. It's kind of what I talked about today. Um, and that's the thing, look, he can be part of probably of a defensive end rooms rotation. Um, and it's, you know, and the run hasn't been that great, but I mean, it's never going to be his run grade of 41.8 this year. Yes, but it's never going to be a rushing the passer thing for Chad Thomas. That's not going to be – it's going to be, you know, hey, it's first and ten. Miles is gassed. Olivier's gassed. All the pass rushers are gassed. Let's hope they run and, you know, Chad, just stand tough. Try to at least do that. Uh, you, you know, and where you said cleanup, though, and that's kind of what I talked about today for those – look, you know, we'll try to give credit when, it, when it's there to be had. And, you know, look, he was active yesterday and, and did get some things done. But when you're literally looking and, you know, you can get – pass rushers in round three early in round three you can score there they didn't um granted they don't necessarily have to when you have olivia vernon and you have miles garrett um but look this is i mean there, at least there's a pulse there because a year ago at this time that that was certainly was not the case and you know and for the guy and even today the one thing i like today that was somebody you know tweeted him oh we need some new music and he said no i need some more sacks so at least for all of us it was like okay at least we know that football heart is in there, even if maybe it was just lip service. It was like, all right, dude, I'll, I'll throw you a bone on that one because it makes me feel a little better. But, John, you know, we get to talk about a couple of different names here. You know, Brian Cox Jr. I put out a tweet yesterday. I'm feeling an Odell Beckham TD. I'm feeling a Porter Gustin sack. Um, it's just, you know, maybe it's good because it's a win. But it's nice to get to see just, you know, some new blood. And look, you know, for a guy like Brian Cox, it, it was getting close to, you know, whether or not it was over. You know, Porter Gustin, you know, I'm not sure how he graded PFF, but you go back, you know, almost two years ago, this was a name that had a lot of people intrigued. Uh, you know, good size, you know, good athleticism. Um, those guys, you know, however we want to view it, um, they know where the weight room is at USC, <laughs> whether it's all good or not. Um, but it's, you know, you get a new little blood, new, some new blood in here and you get to see him a little bit. So let's talk about a couple of those guys. Yeah. I mean, so Porter Gustin, obviously he had the sack, um, and he also had a hit, an addition to that, um, really didn't do much else outside those couple of plays had 25, uh, snaps in the game. Um, wasn't bad, but other than the sack didn't, didn't, you know, generate much of anything else. So, um, it'll be interesting to see moving forward. I really can't say much more about about his performance other than you know he he wasn't a liability in the run game um and then when he was asked to rush the passer he, he was mildly productive there obviously getting a sack is a good thing brian cox jr uh same type of situation he was a little bit worse in, in run defense he did get beat a couple times blocked uh blocked out of his gap um but he was a sure tackler obviously he had the sack he also had an additional hit and three hurries so he was more productive as the pass rusher there on 25 pass rushing snaps so um you know, it, it's good to see those guys that when they they were put in there uh, were decently productive, and you know they might have might have some staying power in the, in that rotation if you know if they can t- can continue to do what essentially backups are asked to do, which is like 
when you put, get put out there, don't be a complete liability to the team. At least hold it down for uh, until the starters can get back into the game. Well, and you, you look at this, you know, with Larry Ogunjobi coming back, that probably means Bryant will be eliminated from the roster. And if these guys dressed yesterday, most likely they're going to get the opportunity going further. And look, I mean, you know, there's always guys who round out a roster and it's always, you know, wow. And, and even the front offices will tell you, and, I, and I've, I've talked with people at the rounds is like, you know, sometimes, you know, guys who play meaningful reps for you at the end of the year, like they're blown away by it. Like, you know, guy wasn't even on our radar three, radar three months ago. And all of a sudden now it's like, well, hey, can we get more snaps? You know, it, it's just the, the maturation of a roster building and that type of stuff. Um, no linebacker in NFL history since 2006. And it was Cato June. And I will not say where he went to college because I understand the significance of this week to all my Buckeye listeners. Um, but not since 2006, John, has a linebacker had two interceptions in two straight games. Joe Schobert, um, trust me, it's there. I, if, if I'm wrong, then somebody tweeted it wrong. Um, Joe Schobert, again, another big effort. It, it just, you know, I, at this point, it's, you know, John Dorsey's got to be like, well, good Lord, if we really wanted him, all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're now going to pay a Ferrari price for a Toyota Camry. Yeah, so the that stat you put out there, it's it's he and uh, Cato June, and they're only two players yes. of in NFL history. Well, since since – I think 1977 is basically the stat there. So, um, yeah, that, I heard that on uh, Cleveland Browns Daily today as well. But that was – I mean, that's impressive. This, the fact that, like, yeah, one of them was a gimme that was popped up off the air and, he, you know, he picked it that way. That was a gimme for him. Uh, but the fact that he's around the ball and making those plays is impressive. And, you know, early in the season it was kind of wondering, hey, where's the, the Joe Schobert that we saw last year that was elite in coverage all season long? Um, he showed that in the Jets game in week two, but really kind of fell off a cliff off up until the Denver game. And he's posted, you know, he had an 86.4 grade in the Denver game, Pittsburgh 91.4. And then this past game against Miami, it was an 85.0. So he, if he can continue that level of play from that middle linebacker position, um, I mean, that's a force to be reckoned with. Um, and, and he's been, been a little bit better as a as a run defender as, as of late too. He's ne- it's never been a strong suit of his, but um, really like he's really making a, a strong case to get paid a lot of money this offseason, Obviously, being in a contract year, and um, he's definitely a guy that the Browns need to get it worked out with. And I think it's because I I, I don't I think it's even more urgent for them to do that because you need a face of that defense, and it obviously was Miles Garrett, but after the incident and stuff like that, I think you would rather not him not be the face of that defense, regardless of of if it, your opinion of whether or not he's being treated unfairly and and whatnot. Um, Joe Schobert's been nothing but a model citizen, great in the in the community, great on the field, at zero issues at all in that. And then on top of it, he plays a great game, and he also he's you know extreme extremely intelligent. He's a guy that I think you want there for the long-term um, as, as you continue to build up this defense. So uh, he's, he's definitely made himself a, a, a case for that elite last year in coverage. He's starting to get back to that form this year. His year yearly coverage grade is at a 77.0. So he's still a little bit off the pace from last year, but uh, definitely in recent weeks, he's, he's on that pace. Yeah. And some of the things I wonder with this though, with Joe is though you talk about the jet game and that's when the secondary fell apart. 
So, and we've always talked, you know, I've called Joe the crossing guard about making sure, you know, his guy's on to the next guy. And now it's four different guys behind him. So you wonder if it was maybe too much attention to detail at the Seahawk game where Russell Wilson had the touchdown run up the middle. You know, it was, you know, am I making sure that the next guy has got this guy? And, you know, and I agree 100% with you because the thing with Miles Garrett is Miles Garrett can be the star of your defense. But what is usually the leader of your defense? And, you know, it does seem a little cliche in maybe not so much 2019 as it was 20 years ago. But um, your middle linebacker, if he's going to be on the field for every snap of the game, and whether or not Joe is true middle or will, whatever, that's you know story for another day. But that should be your guy. That should be the one. And you know, and it's funny now because we're talking about Joe, who's about what maybe twenty five now, where every eye is on him. Where here's the call, okay, and everybody peeks on over, make sure they're in position. It just it just seems too easy of a one. I just want to sneak one more in here before we get to a break. Move on to some other stuff. Greedy Williams, John, he had a great first two weeks, then the month off. Um, I, I don't know what exactly is going on there. Um, too many times, his head's not on the ball. Um, too many times, even when he makes a play now, it almost seems like his confidence is a little rattled because if he makes a play, he kind of, and you know as a former defensive back, peaks to the left, peaks to the right. Like, okay, did I actually make that play and not get a hanky thrown on me? But Greedy right now is in a tough spot and kind of way Denzel's been playing, it's just going to keep coming at him. Yeah, I, I think he'll figure it out. You know, he's a, we had him as a top 10 uh, player coming on into this draft. And coverage coverage is a lot of – if you get targeted, I mean, there's, what, 40 passes a game. You might get targeted five times, <clears throat> and those five plays might be the only five plays that you get beat. I haven't – I didn't look at all of his coverage snap plays, but um, – you know, he's, he's obviously been unlucky. He's got f- uh, four penalties the past two weeks combined. Um, and, but the thing is like, even last week against um, Pittsburgh where he was, he was flagged for the defensive pass interference. He was like lockstep in coverage there. And he just didn't look back for the ball. It's just a technique thing there that you want him to, to clean up. Same thing with, um, you know, you just have to, you have to be able to look back for the ball, recognize where you, you know, where you are, not freak out. He's a young player. I mean, he was a junior. I think he would have been like, what? Was he a red shirt sophomore when he came out or a true junior? I true junior, 21. Yep. I mean, super young player. So he still has a lot to learn. And I think he's, and I think you saw that like um, even in college where like, I mean, he's obviously got all the talent in the world. He's got the speed. He's got the length, the size, everything you want in a corner. Um, I think he's going to be just fine eventually um and i don't know if maybe he's not fully 100 percent too but um you know he's, he's gonna be i think he's gonna be fine and um yeah it's one of those things where basically he's kind of been unlucky just getting a lot of penalties thrown his way he's definitely gonna have to clean that up and look back for the ball and recognize you know reading the, the you know the wide receiver's eyes uh reading his body language when that ball's coming there and, and being able to to adjust and, and look back for the ball and, you know, and just to you know, bring Joe Schober back in the equation, you know, I had him on the show last year. It was Valentine's Day. And obviously everybody knows Joe had a hamstring injury. And he says, look, it's it, there's still times it's there. I feel it. So and now you, you bring up this point here with Greedy. And if it's not something you've ever experienced, it's a pain in the ass. So I, I blew up my hamstring in my junior year of college and I still feel it today. Yep. No, well, no I'm, joke. No joke. Well, and <laughs> some of that, though, John may just. We're getting older, but maybe, maybe, but like, it's something, (laughs) it is definitely something that like it took forever 
to heal up and there's this like scar tissue buildup that like playing days got over and I didn't keep doing things to like try to stretch it out. And it, you know, it's, it's never, it's it like essentially never goes away unless you get, are able to get the proper t- treatment. And, you know, you know, I was not able to get that proper treatment, you know, my playing days. So, but yeah, I mean, like he's going to be fine. And maybe that that's right. Like it, that those hamstring injuries just can linger. It can just, you know, could zap you of just that 10% of extra speed. And that's, that's enough. That clearly is enough. And that's why, you know, when you see guys that come back later in the year, whether it's a broken arm or a collarbone and all of a sudden they're running around and it's like, Oh my God, well, look at this guy. Well, yeah. Cause everybody's dinged and bruised and not nearly as fast as they normally are. And here's this guy. He's got all the speed because he only had a you know, broken collarbone for this week. Only my bookie is offering a risk free bet on the bears lions game. Come on, guys. You may have the third string quarterback of the Lions against Mitch Trubisky. Here's your opportunity. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. My bookie will give you all your money back. It's a no brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. And uh, as far as gravy, I better hope whoever's making you gravy better know what the hell they're doing. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come to play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Just log on to mybookie.ag and make your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, no space, all caps. And my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the risk-free bet. MyBookie.ag. Guys, they've been here for over two years sponsoring these NFL shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. That's staying power. They know what they're talking about. Obviously, they're not going to screw you over. They've been doing it for with us for over two years. Go ahead. Check out MyBookie.ag. You play. You win. You get paid. So uh, who's better, Mitch Trubisky or whatever quarterback the Blau. lines are gonna... Cleveland Browns. Uh, Blau is the starter as of right Blau. now. So it's Blau, Blau versus Trubisky. Who's better? I argue yeah, Blau Trubisky is. on a short week. <laughs> Blau on a Thanksgiving miracle. We've certainly seen a bunch of them. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and now you're talking about Bo Scarborough toting the rock for the Lions. So and that, that's it's two zero. Lions were two zero and one. The Lions were two zero and one. It's they were, just so they crazy were... how the NFL. They were so close to being undefeated too at that point, and people were talking about maybe they're the best team in the north, and it has gone downhill since then. Yeah, the, those things they change quickly. John, offensively, um, one thing we kind of grew accustomed to last year, especially over the second part of that season, was when the Browns played well and the Browns put up points and Browns won games. Baker Mayfield graded out really highly. Um, we got back to some of that yesterday. Um, and I will start with this one. Um, please tell me that Baker, the interception was on Baker. Please tell me that. Yeah, it was behind him. They threw it behind. It's, it's there's, not, there's a, so it's many not a fans watch this and they say, Odell with the one hand catches. You can't expect him to make every single one of them. Right. I mean, for whatever reason, OBJ's hands haven't been as good this year as in years past. Um, but when you throw it behind, like especially from the, the th- three yard slant, 
you're if it, you're not going to be able to catch that ball unless I mean usually I mean you can but it'd be extremely difficult to but typically that pass is not even falling it into the arms of the defender it's usually getting tipped away and just go, it clangs to the ground uh, just an unlucky interception right there another interception this year where Baker it was not I mean it wasn't fully like a turnover worthy type throw uh, but it happened to fall in you know into the arms of the defender um, but I mean really you know. He was he was excellent throughout the rest of the game. Had four big time throws, no turnover worthy throws. Uh, his game grade was an eighty nine point three, which is the second highest of the week of all quarterbacks. His passing grade of an eighty six point three was the highest of all quarterbacks of the week, which is what um, we kind of grew accustomed to last year. Right, you know, and and people like to talk about all oh, is, you know, last year he wasn't as good or like he was not as good as as what the numbers showed or down to stretch or whatever. And it's just not, that's just not true. Like the way we grade, like it doesn't, you don't just, you can't just accumulate just be, like, it doesn't matter like on an opponent or whatever. Right. Like he was still putting up the like good grades against, you know, solid opponents. And um, it wasn't just buoyed all by the two Cincinnati games. And obviously it was really good in those games, but yeah, like this, this game was, was right up there with some of his best last year. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, there's some some things where he was a little bit hesitant on a couple of plays, but for the most part, like Miami just didn't put, give him looks that would have been confusing at all, which is you know odd on Miami's part, and perhaps like when just, you're playing your eighth defensive back that you brought into September first, there's only so much you can put out there, right? You can't you can't get too exotic, and they weren't even doing a lot to double like OBJ. I mean, there was a couple plays there, especially in the one the had a red zone. Uh, throw to uh, Ricky Seals Jones that was a little bit high that they doubled up OBJ on, but really like they were just playing like straight man and not even leaning stuff towards OBJ. So it was interesting that Baker didn't go to him more even, but really Baker took what what was there uh, and picked them apart. And it was nice to see because and this is kind of like one of the things that I had talked about and we did the pregame and there was people oh we're, we're nervous. Look, the offense. It's there, um, and now when you get Hunt back, and now might you bring Najoku back, and everybody's trying to talk about the rest of this wide receiver group. Um, is it really going to matter when you've got Odell, Jarvis, Nick, Kareem, and hopefully David Najoku? Where are you fitting in these other guys? Look, it's going to be spot reps, and it'll be more. Last year was like, well, hell, you were wide open by five yards, so you got the rock. I mean, you have three pro bowlers in Hunt, in Landry, in Odell. You have a guy who most likely is going to go to a Pro Bowl this year in Nick Chubb. Um, David Njoku, you know, that's, you know, could be something down the line. But that's your five best to go to. So maybe as, you know, and maybe Higgins is sort of getting squeezed out due to the fact that there's other talented players who play different positions. Um, Nick yesterday, though, and John, we had talked about this, you know, um, and obviously the first one was a screen. But then there was the one where Baker saw it. The linebacker was kind of pinched in. There was no way the linebacker was going to beat Nick Chubb to the spot. Caught it in stride. Big play. Um, but I think when you get all this diversity and explosive guys on the field, you can maybe get more out of Nick as a receiver because if it's going to be Nick against, you know, the worst coverage linebacker on the field, you know, he's going to win that. Yeah, I mean, so like – like Nick Chubb, when he has the ball in his hands, obviously we all know what he can do with it, right? And um, he's not the the greatest route runner, but if you're going to put him up against 
linebackers that can't cover, he's going to win those matches. So, yeah, he. I mean, he's he's not the a fully complete back where you you can split him out wide and into the slot and do a lot of different creative things with him. He's obviously much more of a power power runner that can can get it out of the backfield and make some things happen with it. But uh, I mean, obviously, like you said, he's he's well on his way to uh, you know potential All Pro status. Uh, definitely Pro Bowl status, and um, he, you know, he was the only area in this game where he struggled. I guess was as a pass blocker, where it was just one rep and loud, loud of pressure. But um, other than that, you know, I mean, he's been really excellent there. And um, as a receiver, usually if he can get the ball in his hands, he's he's really excellent. Okay, and one guy we got to continuously hit on because if there's a way to save some money around here, we'd love to save some money. Wyatt Teller, I guess we're in either start three, start four. Wyatt Teller. Yeah, so like at least guard is not a very valuable position in the NFL. Um, he hasn't been uh, he hasn't been good as a run blocker. So he's been actually really, really bad as a run blocker. His grade there is a thirty nine point two, um, and it's that's obviously. I mean, that's that's like one of the worst in the NFL. It's way worse than anything that Eric Cush was doing. But where his saving grace is that he's much better in pass protection. He's he's far superior as a pass protector. And that's what's important here. Um, like you can you can get, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can can cover up a, a missed block on a play because they're really good at forcing a missed tackle. Obviously, you don't want to rely on that type of stuff. Uh, but like if you know that's a weakness in your run game, you can you can scheme around that. Right. But if you have weaknesses in, in pass protection and you have multiple ones on your offensive line, it's hard to scheme around. Wyatt Teller there is not, not a weakness in, as pass pro. He's not like elite or any by any means, but he's above average and that's good enough for, for most people or whatever. Um, his grade in this game there was, wasn't great, but it was 63.6. He had three weeks back to back, you know, when he came into the starting lineup that were, you know, 70 or above. So he's, he's a guy that you can trust at least in pass protection. That's good enough for me. It seems like we're trending where that may work. And, you know, like you said, you scheme around it and, but, you know, except weaknesses. And look, if it comes down to paying a guard 8 million or letting Wyatt Teller ride out the salary of a fifth round pick when you want to look to save some money so far, so good. Um, you know, and as big as he is, and he's a really big dude. I mean, some of it's getting low and sometimes that's an issue when you're just that big of a guy. Um, but you know, we're okay with that. Um, obviously it was, you know, look, uh, tackle situation, John, <laughs> is it getting even closer? And, you know, cause Jake Burns put out today. Well, Greg, Greg Ramos is grading the best of his career, but let's all not kid ourselves. The best of Greg Robinson's career, grade-wise, it ain't enough when you know you're. Thanks. <laughs> exactly. I mean, six. It, nothing matters here, but keeping six healthy and keeping six upright. And you know, it, look, Greg's going to go on. He'll, he'll find work, but you're going to have to find this solution here, and maybe at both tackles. I, I'm curious how bad Lamb is health-wise. Tell me right now that a veteran who's been around, you can't tell Chris Hubbard, you know what? We want to see this guy this week because um, you're just not getting it done. And to quote Dan Dan Shanka from our lads, he's got no ass. And, you know, these guys all know now I am going to get in your chest, Chris Hubbard, 
and you're going to go back, whether it's ice, whether it's a roller rink, you're going to go back on your skates. Yeah, it's unfortunate for, for Hubbard this year. Um, ugh, he's played 666 snaps, too. Not a good thing where Greg Robinson's grade is 66.6. Uh, it's not good for your offensive tackles going into Pittsburgh. But, um, yeah, I mean, his pat, Hubbard's pass block grade this year is a 59.7, and it's definitely the, the lowest of the, you know, basically of his career. Um, you know, last year he was a lot better. And when people he had were that trashing second half run. Yeah. So, so like he, he was solid throughout the whole year. Um, the, the thing that people always forget about last year was that Baker was getting rid of the ball quickly. And so that, and the, the offense looked great. So people don't notice the offensive line, especially when you only get sacked five times and like, in nine game stretch or eight game stretch or whatever it was. So people don't really notice the offensive line, but when it, when Baker's holding on the ball too long and things aren't working properly and you're getting sacked, you, when the offense isn't clicking, it, everything gets magnified. Right. So like nobody's not really, nobody's really noticing if somebody's getting beat when you're winning and you're getting rid of the ball quickly this year, though, like Hubbard, like so, like Hubbard's grade last year was a seventy-three point five as a pass protector. That's obviously really good. It's not elite, but you don't need that, and that was plenty good. And I was expecting that to actually kind of stay the same because you look at his years in Pittsburgh, he was a seventy-six point seven in twenty sixteen, albeit on just three hundred fifty-one snaps. But then he was as as a starter in twenty seventeen was at a seventy point two, and then last year seventy-three point five. So the trend was looking, hey, we're going to have like an above average. Uh, right tackle and pass protection here. Uh, he's fallen off a cliff at a 59.7. So, and then his run blocking has been even worse at a 40.6. So across the board, he's been really bad. And I don't really see a scenario at all that they're going to hang on to that contract another year. They're, they're, they have an out this year. And so that's, that's easy enough. Greg Robinson, like you talked about. Yeah. Like he's had a terrible career. So the fact that he's having a career year this year with a 66.6 should tell you everything you need to know about Greg Robinson. Um, His pass protection has about been about the same as it was last year. He has some of the absolute ugliest reps on tape, which is what I think scared the coaching staff and why they benched him because I don't, he wasn't playing like on on a snap snap basis. It wasn't like, super bad it was not good but it wasn't terrible right it was about it was on par for what it was last year but then you look at you look at what he how he's getting beat and it's like some of these awful whiffs where he's just trying to like bully the person completely tries to use his elbows to to block him and the guy just swipes by him and you know fresh gets the pressure or sack or whatnot so um he needs to clean up those those to me they're like ego plays you're trying to like you're trying to overpower a player when you essentially just need to play with proper technique and you're going to be fine. Um, but both tack next year, bo- both tackles positions need to be addressed for sure. And I, I think, I think this year is showing that and uh, anybody that's trying to be a Greg Robinson stand is, is kind of, you know, they're missing, they're missing the, the point I think about what, what they're seeing on the field. And look, and, but look, look good for Greg. The, the career is going to go on. Um, it was to the point where, I mean, look, he signed here like, you know, a couple of days before camp in 2018. That's where Greg Robinson was at as a former overall number two pick. Um, there'll be teams. It's just the problem now that Cleveland's a little more up here and there's these teams down here where, okay, you know, we'll bring in Greg Robinson. So I think it's going to be a similar a situation where it's going to be. Miami could use him. You're going to go out and find this. 
<laughs> sure, absolutely. You're, it's going to be a situation where you're going to go really hard and hopefully round one pick on left tackle. And you're going to handle right tackle similar to how you handled right guard this year. We're going to throw a bunch at it. Forbes could be one of those names, obviously a draft pick, whatever, a veteran type of guy. And it could be Lamb could play into that mix. You're going to throw a bunch of guys at right tackle and hope that something sticks. But a left tackle needs to be addressed. We're going to get to a little bit more here from PFF John Costco, Jeff Lloyd, as we roll on through your PFF edition of Locked on Browns. Folks, I tell you all the time about DoorDash. Uh, treat yourself, have a meal brought in, whether you're home alone, whether you're home with the family. Sometimes the stress of the day, is just too much to you know, have to come home, fire up the, the stove, try to figure out dinner, especially in a week like this where it's a short week and you got holiday and all this nonsense involved. So have DoorDash bring it in, whether it is a local restaurant, whether it's a franchise restaurant, have them bring dinner to you with the stuff that you all enjoy and the kids can get what they want, which is the main purpose of it all. Anyway, who are we kidding? Go to, whether it's Google, whether it's Apple, download the DoorDash app, get $5 off your first order or more using the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all caps, you know the drill. Uh, Appreciate the fine folks over at DoorDash for the sponsorship here of the LOCKEDON Podcast Network. There's not much difference here, John, obviously. We, We just talked about Pittsburgh not even probably two weeks ago. Um, I just want to get in a, a just one thing here and, you know, we got to get a Thanksgiving day take in, but the, the Pittsburgh's w- with the situation here, h- how do you get your team ready and try to remind them guys, I don't care what happened two weeks ago on Thursday night football, especially Cleveland Browns watch. We don't win. This year is probably over. So mute out the nonsense. Do what you got to do. Don't worry about what happened. We need this W. And you got to remind guys, and everybody plays fired up. Everybody's jacked the hell up. Do not be, do not cost me 15. Do not cost me ejection because, you know, uh, me and Pete were talking last night. These refs are going to be manned with two flags in each side, ready and anticipating the fact that this could get ugly real quick. How do you? Keep these guys in check to focus on the task at hand, which is go beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are either going to be playing their number two quarterback or their number three quarterback. And, you know, either their number two, I mean, they may not, you know, who knows running back wise what they're going to have. It's maybe not looking good for Juju. Go out and get this win and just cancel out everything else, especially when you know the way this crowd is going to be speaking to these players. Yeah, this is going to be an incredibly physical game. I probably don't even need to say that, but um, obviously, like, like there's like everything that happened last week. Like, it's like they play again already, which is insane. So, like, as a as a head coach, you've got to be able to get get these guys just focused and uh, on a task at hand. Because yeah, essentially, the the loser of this game is eliminated from playoff contention, essentially, uh, and then the winner probably in the driver's seat to get to the wild, you know, that second wild card. Um, you know, I, I think the Browns have the advantage just be mainly the fact that it doesn't matter who's at quarterback there. They're at a huge disadvantage, uh, from that position. You, you know, they also have the injuries on offense. Who knows if Juju is coming back and Deontay Johnson's coming back, but, um, and then the running back positions and obviously a mess. So, um, they, you know, they have the offensive line to be able to, 
to control the game, especially with, you know, with the, for the Browns, if Olivia Vernon can, can't come back, obviously there's no Miles Garrett in this game. Uh, so um, they do have that, that offensive line, which is, I'd say is the advantage for the Pittsburgh Steelers on their offense side. Um, but then like on their, on their defense, like you saw what they were able to do for against the Browns outside of two drives in that game. Um, they pretty much shut down the Browns. So um, it's going to be a physical battle and it's going to be a low scoring close game. Um, and they've got to be able to keep their emotions check. I don't, you know, I'm not a coach. I don't know how you'd be able to do that, but what message you, you convey to your, your team. I know, uh, me personally, like I'm able to, to channel that, you know, properly from a, you know, player, you know, perspective or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is not like people, you know, obviously the Browns went up on them 14, nothing. And and it looked like it was going to be a route, but. I mean, that was a slugfest after that that point. It really was. Uh, and it was only because Mason Rudolph was so bad that, like, they had no shot in that game. You can't expect Devlin Hodges or whoever is going to be the quarterback, and which I'm assuming is going to be Duck Hodges, to be that bad. Like, that is an atrocious performance, probably the one of the worst we've seen all season long. So, um, yeah, you can get pressure off, off of him and make him confused by put, giving him different looks and continuing be, to be creative. Uh, you know, from a defensive perspective on mixing up your coverages and, um, you know, it's confusing the quarterback, but yeah, I mean, I, this is going to be, this is going to be a, a war. <laughs> yeah. And this is one where like, this is kind of in, it's not, I'm not trying to knock Freddie, but this is any first time head coach. Cause I mean, you literally got to tell these guys, you know, look, you know, their sidelines are going to be barking. Their players are going to be barking. Their fans are going to be barking. It's it's gonna come at you from everywhere. What you got to do is you got to stay in the moment. In the, it, it could be wild, and I'll be honest, they could they could make this game, you know, Saturday night and make it a pay per view, and you'd get people to drop ten bucks on it. You would because <laughs> everybody knows. I mean, you know, like and like I told you, when my mom knows what happened on a Thursday night football game, it's bad bad news. John, before we put this one to bed, I got, I got, a, I got Go uh, to, just a little bit more on, on Freddie Kitchens. Uh, I, you know, depending, regardless of who the, the opponent was this past weekend and the Miami Dolphins and how bad they are, like I've got it, you got to give Freddie Kitchens props. Yep. To get them focused and playing like so well after out of the, the tragedy. Game. Yep. I absolutely thought that they were going to come up flat because of what we've seen from a Freddie Kitchens head coach team this year, where there's tons of penalties, lack of discipline, uh, lack, lack of execution, all, all sorts of bad that you've seen on, you know, from the team this year. Um, and it doesn't, you know, want, you know, all the distractions stuff like that I really thought it was going to get to them. Um, and he, he, he didn't allow that to happen, which is very impressive. And so I, it gives me encouragement that, that they might be able to have it figured out to how to, Stay focused for this game. Uh, you know what? It, I think what it is is if they can put together that first drive and get some success, and it seems like they can feed off of it. And there's like, well, we didn't get to this, we didn't get to that. And this is what all happens though when you have, you know, the the playmakers they do, and you have guys who have track records of being serious producers. John, before we put this one to bed, John, the perfect Thanksgiving plate for John Costco. It's going to be a working day for John, guys, on Thursday. Um, he's got the late-game duties, so obviously there'll be no beverages. It'll be a big, fat plate before he goes and sits down there'll for New Orleans. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You don't have to go on air, so there is that for you. What right. is the perfect Thanksgiving Day plate, Mr. Costco? 
you know, I, the, really, it, it's just good. Good food doesn't really matter what the food is as long as it's good and you got family around, essentially. You know, I, I mean, we, we've done – usually, obviously, do turkey, but in the past, I've also done goose, uh, which is a change-up, and I love I love goose or whatever. Uh, some uh, There's been a year that I've done duck. But, yeah, I mean, turkey with – you know, I, I, I love mashed sweet potatoes. So, like, people do, like, what is that, the sweet – potato casserole with the marshmallows on top i absolutely hate that like sweet potatoes are already sweet you don't need to like <laughs> right, right, add. Yeah, that's like a dessert i don't need that i need food right right so like i like to make my sweet potatoes like a mashed potato where it's you know savory and rich um and with the with the gravy and we do i do green bean casserole and uh you and jake while, burns i don't even know you guys so what's wrong with green bean casserole the thing is so here the, the issue with green bean casserole, I'm assuming for most people, is that they do the stuff like out of a can, like canned soup stuff or whatever it is. That's not the way to do it. You've got to do it properly, you know, from scratch and all the fresh ingredients. Like it's green beans. You've got you've got a cream a creamy sauce, and you got the fried. You fry your own onions and put them on top. Like not the the all the fake stuff. That's that's a completely different. I mean, that's a disgusting thing. When you do it properly, it's really good. I do a wild rice casserole as well, like a like a, a you know essentially it's a, a wild rice mushroom wild mushroom kind of. Um, it's not a casserole; it's like it's baked or whatever that I guess you in a casserole dish. So that's that's why I call it a casserole. But um, you know something like that too. Another there's another side uh, squash dish that we'll do as, as well, which is really good. But what's so what's your issue with green bean casserole? We only have like forty five seconds left. But. Stuff. I don't need. I don't need to slip in greens on that day. It's Thanksgiving. It's cream. It's, you get cream. You get cream and fried food with that too. It's not even. It's not healthy. I'd have to try. I'd have to try. Um, you know, try mine. These younger folks—they're trying to slip in like healthy stuff at Thanksgiving. This is maybe part of the issue. Um, but it's always <laughs> a pleasure with John. Um, you guys know uh, I love breaking it down to PFF wise, and obviously we get to uh, some food talk here. Make sure you're following. At John Coxco three from PFF, the show itself at Locked On Browns. Always follow back me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs open. Go ahead. This has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>